Welcome again to the Idea Table. This is Jim Nassipak. I hope you are all doing well in the midst of this chaotic year. As we head into um, Thanksgiving week, we look uh, back at a year that um, was unlike any other for me anyways, as far as uh, my lifetime. We've been in the midst of this uh, COVID pandemic. We've had tensions in equity, uh, revolving around equity, revolving around racism, and just a myriad of other issues. And sometimes we think Thanksgiving, maybe it'll be a little bit harder this year to really be thankful. But I think in the midst of all this chaos, a glimmer of heart of hope could start with um, being thankful. As my grandfather used to tell me, it could be worse. I'm not trying to be Pollyannic, but I think in this day and age, that might be something to think about. And as we go into this week of Thanksgiving, um, it could be a starting point for a new season in our lives to begin to look to hope instead of discouragement, to look at those around us that we love and cherish and be thankful for them, to remember those we might have lost this past year. I lost a mother-in-law and an uncle recently, um, and to be thankful for the part that they played in our lives. And as leaders, I think thankfulness um, should be a part of our style. I believe that thankfulness as a leader lends to the success of a team and an organization. And that's what we'll be discussing today on the idea today on the idea table. So joining me today virtually at the idea table is a good friend of mine and a fantastic leader, Mike Haley. Welcome, Mike. How are you? I'm well. Thank you, Jim. It's good to be here. Great. So let me just uh, give our listeners a little brief bio about you. So Mike is the executive director of Global Odyssey LLC. We'll ask him a little bit about that later. He grew up in Moorhead, Minnesota. Um, you will not be able to tell it. He doesn't say A or big a lot. Um, he completed his bachelor's degree from Arizona State University, Go Sun Devils, completed his MBA in global management in Hawaii. So his uh, collegiate years were in two real rough places, beautiful Arizona and then Hawaii. Uh, from, um, from Hawaii, he and his wife, uh, Kyoko, moved to uh, Tokyo where he ran an ESL school, which is an English second language school. And as a faculty at one of Japan's oldest universities, um, while in Hawaii and Japan, you were blessed with three kids that are two are in college, one at Washington state, one at um, Saddleback. And then you have one that's finishing up um, his high school career. Uh, since returning to the U S in 2006, Mike has been a leader in positions in three schools at New Horizons Computer Learning Centers. Um, he learned the business of adult continuing education programs. Then he went to Azusa Pacific University and that's where Mike and I met. Um, he led international enrollment and short-term um, programs. And most recently he was the senior international office at community college in California. Since then he's left in 2019 and has been the executive director of Global Odyssey which, is, which offers short-term adventure programs for international students. Under his leadership, Go has developed partnerships with four community colleges on the West Coast, one business school in Manhattan, New York, and developed partnerships in China, Japan, Taiwan, Vietnam, Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, and Italy. Welcome, Mike. That is... Thank you. Um, man, <laughs> man, you uh, a breadth of international experience, which um, I... I've been blessed to know about, and I know you did, did such a great job leading 
Uh, uh, full disclosure, my wife used to work for Mike, um, and uh, we still keep in touch. So, Mike, I just want to thank you. Um, tell us just real quickly a little bit about Global Odyssey. Um, I know short term, but in the midst of our current pandemic, you know, and we're talking about thankfulness. How is that working right now? Um, how are you uh, moving forward? Well, moving forward? we we've been doing Global Odyssey type stuff. One of the reasons that I, after I finished at ASU, went out to Hawaii to do a master's degree in travel industry management from UH, University of Hawaii. At the time, <clears throat> I was involved in Japan a little bit. And in those days, uh, Waikiki was filled with 80 or 90% Japanese. So I thought, what better way to learn the market than to get a degree in Hawaii, learn that, and then open up a adventure tourism business, either based in Tokyo or uh, back here in the States. So something we've been doing for quite a while now, um, but just with kids and getting older and not being able to do a lot of uh, young person stuff. Uh, uh, I took some positions uh, back here in the States leading teams uh, that tended to take on an international flavor the last few years. And so um, in those capacities, I was able to develop networks around the world in like 25 or 26 different countries. And it just lent itself to uh, going independent. And so I resigned my position as the Dean of the International uh, Programs at Riverside Community College and where I ran a study abroad program. But more importantly was the uh, bringing in the international students. So um, unfortunately, my timing was pretty bad because after those kind of things, it takes a full one and a half to two years to put together a program become a vendor of choice for a school or a group abroad, and then run the trip. And so in 2020, we were gonna run our first trip to uh, New York, DC, uh, Colorado Springs and Los Angeles. And so uh, of course COVID hit, uh, we were shut down on January 31st when the president stopped all travel to and from uh, China. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so since then, you know, it's been what, nine months now, 10 months coming yeah. up on 10 months. Um, you know, we've been just uh, getting by and staying in touch with our people and everybody's just taking it day by day. And it just seems kind of like a groundhog day. It's just the same thing week after week and nobody knows what to do. And is there a way to prepare to get ready and different things like that. So it's a, it's a, a very unique time. Uh, I was just watching some coverage of the Masters tournament, which is coming up, and they're talking about how unique it'll be to not have fans. Well, I think I feel that throughout uh, in almost every person's role, just what they're used to and how their industry is defined has been radically changed. And I, I can't think of another industry that has been more decimated by this than international students, because you, you just, you can't fly, you can't go over and recruit and keep contact and different things. And so it's been, uh, it's been an interesting nine months, um, but I'm, I'm hopeful that the virus weakens and that sometime in the next 60, 90 days, we can do kind of a blitzkrieg and uh, prepare quickly to be able to run our programs, which usually run late January, early February. And then of course, during the summer, so summer might be realistic. Uh, so, so that's where we're at now, but I'm enjoying the time with my family and working from home and, and not traveling as much as I have the last 25 years, but, but I miss it a little bit. 
Yeah, I understand. And, you know, in the midst of it, you know, as leaders, we've had to re, as they say, pivot into what we're doing and how do we engage with uh, with our teams. I know you have teams, but you actually have um, partners, you know, with uh, colleges and then um, internationals across the world. And I think sometimes people don't, um, leaders, I would think that are becoming leaders, they don't realize um, not they have to be Pollyannic positive, but there's a need to be thankful so that it allows people to have that little bit of hope. And um, I know you're in the midst of, you know, your, yours actually came to a standstill, you know, within um, higher education, which I'm in as well. Uh, we're still moving along, not at the clip that we were, but still on the operation side, there's still things. So I want to kind of begin this discussion about thankfulness. Um, Nicole Lipkin, who's uh, who writes on different leadership stuff said, that uh, leaders should cultivate gratitude because it breeds engagement and more positive interactions and builds resistance. Um, what's more gratitude helps you acknowledge your accomplishments, you know, this whole thankfulness. And, you know, I want to just kind of start off on a real basic piece of thankfulness and how does thankfulness as a leader impact your attitude as you lead and deal with your teams? Well, I think in the, in my situation, the last uh, few schools that I've worked at, when I was hired, each was described by the leadership of that school as the department needing to be turned around or that it was failing in meeting its objectives and stuff. And I think with each each place, uh, they they had assigned the blame for that to the current staff, and uh, so I. It showed up and just wanted to understand my department and the people and all that. Uh, what I found was that there were a lot of good people there. And so just recognizing their skills, their dedication and making some tweaks about what we were doing and appreciating the people for what they did, we were able to turn around each of those departments and do quite well, even set records for different key performance indicators that we had. Um, using the same people with uh, very few exceptions of having to replace somebody. And that was coming into a situation where supposedly the staff needed to go or this or that. And so what I found was that uh, a lot of them <clears throat> didn't get the encouragement they needed and were not recognized as being expert in their field for what they do. That could be frontline meeting with students or uh, preparing some marketing materials in a different language and some of the less on the stage, behind the scenes kind of roles. And just in giving them their credit for being professional at what they do and being good at their job, they actually improved dramatically. And across our team of six or eight or 12 people, whatever the size of the team was, those improvements in, in being appreciated and being genuinely thankful for a great team. Uh, I, I truly feel thankful that the teams that I've had have been amazing. Just great people, great stories, good skill, honest, integrous, student-centric, uh, just what you wouldn't, you would love to have. And so, uh, I think being able to convey that to <clears throat> your staff, even though we have goals and there's a lot of pressure to perform and different things, it's easy to forget that, especially for the people who are doing the mundane things of just 
making 200 copies of promotional materials to stick in a bag and then I get to fly all over the world and hand them out yeah. or whatever it may be. But uh, in, in being thankful for those people and recognizing their uh, vital part to our team, mm -hmm. the team got better uh, instantly and continually um, because they had more buy-in and they, they owned in the success. Uh, so I, I think that's one of the things that I've learned as a leader is that there's a lot of good people out there um, who know their job well. They may or may not have a bad attitude that needs to be tweaked or, or whatever, but uh, to recognize people for the hard work that they put in and if they've done it for years, that that accumulated wisdom and knowledge of shortcuts and reality. A lot of times us leaders come in with a big grand plan and we're going to change everything and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And they're just sitting back going, oh, geez, another one. Mm -hmm. And to be able to listen to them and recognize their skills. And uh, I implemented change. I wasn't afraid to do that. And I wasn't afraid to set standards that were quite high. But I think the encouragement along the way and recognizing that I couldn't do it by myself and I, do, I wouldn't want to do it by myself. We had so much more fun and, and so much more rewarding to do as a team and build a community within a great community at the places I work. So I, I think that's the first thing that came to mind when you brought up the topic the other day. Yeah. When, when you talk about it, I think it's um, so important to allow people to operate, I mean, in the giftings that they have, in the tool sets they have, and to realize that they actually feel th that we're mm -hmm. thankful that they're doing, we have gratitude for them. In the midst of, you know, coming in and changing that culture, that environment, and bringing in this sense of thankfulness and appreciation, I mean, it's almost, you, you show value for them. You know, I know that's a, exactly. you know, a trendy word, valuing people, but um, when you actually do it, did you see it, it led to some opportunities that, uh, you know, might have been missed or looked over because people were more open or engaged because they saw the gratitude coming from you and you valuing them in uh, some of the places you, you were leading? Yeah, for sure. I think with the, <clears throat> excuse me, the international department, I mean, it's such a wide open field that <clears throat> your opportunities tend to come from your natural relationships with uh, leaders of the school or just uh, we've used sister city relationships and different things. <clears throat> what I found was that uh, the people who are in the department and ancillary to the department, when I was willing to give them a voice and listen to them and say, hey, we should parlay this relationship or this uh, uh, situation that we're in already into an opportunity to expand our global footprint and things like that. Uh, especially on my team, people just like, hey, you know, what if we did this in my country? Because a lot of the people that work for me were from abroad or from our student workers, which I love to bring in onto the team because we needed translation help and I needed uh, help understanding so many different parts of the world. So I started something where I'd bring in student workers or just students from a country that I thought would be promising. And I would ask that student from that country to give me the Brazil 101 class and just tell me about Brazil. How, and I, I would call it the kitchen table talk, similar to your program title, um, and say, what do families talk about? You know, like my son is a senior. We sit down and talk about what's next. 
And what does that sound like in Brazil or in Argentina or in Taiwan or wherever? And they were just so great at saying, instead of marketing research from an American school or company or organization, I was able to talk to a student who could give me that. And so the students became very involved, like, oh, you really want to go to my country? This is so great. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that is a model of when you let people know you're listening and you value their insight and you recognize it's better than yours, that to become a student, and I took, you know, I've taken 50 one-on-one classes <laughs> from students and staff and different things. And it almost always works out so much better than what I could think in my own head. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think letting people know I'm here to learn, you're a valuable asset, especially in something as complicated as international programs. Uh, each culture is so different and how the schools operate and the way transcripts are done and, and everything else. So. Uh, yeah, I think using that time to take information in, and then what I tended to be fairly good at is to assimilate it into a workable plan mm -hmm. um, with a finite budget, a finite <laughs> staff and different things yeah. and say, okay, what can we focus in on yeah. first? And how can we pick some low hanging fruit to get some airspeed to keep this thing going for another semester or year or whatever? Um, you, you talked empowerment, which I think is vital, especially when your um, people feel that gratitude. It's one thing to um, just say, hey, you're doing a great job. I'm thankful for you. It's another thing to actually give them the power to empower, to, to do things. And you talked about that. When you did that, did you see their um, attitude or desire to be thankful and, and be grateful for those that they worked with change? Or was that... Something that needed work on because, you know, like you said, some circumstances, there was a culture that was already, um, I don't want to say beaten down, but, you know, they're, they were struggling. But did you see that start to be able to expand out where you saw more cooperation uh, amongst your team? Well, I think with people, you get the spectrum of responses to that. <clears throat> some that were, they're entrenched in the way they did things and ownership was something they didn't want to have you know, because it comes with a lot of responsibility. And so, uh, but I think the most, you, you get some eager people who are skilled and gifted, who relish the opportunity to own the how and own the results mm. uh, within guardrails, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so then they run with it and they're happy and they're doing a much better job than I could do. Um, and then other people that are kind of, middle of the rotors tend to see that and say, hey, I want to do this. And then occasionally you get the recalcitrant type that just says, look, I just want to work from nine to five and push this paper from that paper. And I don't want to have to smile at somebody and I don't want to have to engage my students so we build a community. I just want to fill out the document. I was so fortunate. I heard hardly any of those. Uh, but in the real world, you do and just you know, hopefully they'll come along and, and um, but sometimes they do. But, but again, I was very fortunate that I had really talented people that just cared about their students. And so when they were allowed to design how to engage and how to keep track of their students so that those students were successful, not lonely, not uh, 
uh, regretting leaving home 5,000 mm -hmm. miles away or wherever it was, uh, the result was amazing because we had all these little clusters based on my staff knowing these 30 students or 50 students pretty well. Mm -hmm. And the students recognize it as well as, hey, you guys, you really care about me. And, and I think that was the key thing to uh, our success, which then they tell their friends back at their high school or in their town. And it's that word of mouth, it takes longer, but you can't do it without that in the international realm because it's all about relationships. And right. if, you know, unless you're a brand name, uh, if you're Stanford or Harvard, you could treat them like crap, I guess. But uh, <laughs> when you're a community college in California, yeah. Better take care of your students. That's right. I think you brought up a good um, uh, point when you're talking about, you know, the different people and how they respond to um, uh, taking on that empowerment. And I've seen it in some leaders that, you know, their, their desires that everybody gets excited, you know, like they all have to be doing this. And, you know, they're grateful for the people that do and get excited, but those people that don't, where it's not their personality, that they sometimes forget that they need to be grateful for what those people do too and that yeah. they need to be and i and i think that's something as a leader we have to watch out for and for uh and not in a bad way but just because people don't respond to the way you think they should respond doesn't mean you're still not grateful and thankful for the work that they're doing because if they're doing the work you're doing I'm, I'm not talking about if they do something incorrectly and then they don't correct it what i'm saying is the manner in which they work in um, yeah. I think you're right on with that. You know, you still um, give them that power and you still encourage them and are thankful for them and that gratitude and kind of push forward. Um, I want to talk about this, um, you know, the strengths of a team and when you're thankful. Um, how do you think that plays into other people viewing or wanting to become a part of a team? Do you, you think that's, uh, uh, you know, everybody wants to be a part of a winning team, you know, Um everybody talks about the new England Patriots, you know, everybody's like, you know, everybody wanted to be a part of them, but then you hear them leave and they just are like, I couldn't take it anymore. You know, I couldn't take mm. what that environment was. Um, how do you see, you know, for you when you've led teams, you know, people wanting to come and be a part of it. I know uh, people like come be a part of my team and it's not because of me. I think it's because of everybody else, but do you think that plays into, um, you know, attracting quality, um, uh, team members. Yeah, we uh, definitely experienced that as well, because there's a lot of employees at universities and colleges, and <clears throat> they hear about things that are happening. And again, you draw a certain type of person, somebody who wants to make a change, make their school better, grow something. There's other people who don't. Uh, again, they just want to do the status quo and, and their life and where they get excited is outside the walls of the school. And that's fine too, but I was fortunate to where people would just want to come and work for us or within their department to engage us to make us better. And so when you get faculty doing that or uh, certain staff that have uh, connections abroad, it just makes it so much easier. So I think like you said, uh, people are drawn to things that are growing and winning and, and, and want to buy into it and help it out. And uh, we were able to experience that a lot. And so um, you know, I think we, we all are like that. I think 
we teased one of my sons. He's got a new foot favorite football team every other year, depending <laughs> upon who's winning. And me and my other son were Minnesota Viking fans. And uh. so we're somewhat miserable usually. But, uh, you know, there's there's people who just want to jump on the latest thing. And, and that's attractive to, you know, do whatever that's yeah. popular at the time. I, I understand. Um, I'm a long suffering Cleveland Browns fan. So, oh. you know, so it's just like they, they do just enough to break my heart every year, you know, so uh, I, 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 I hear what you're, I hear what you're saying. Um, when we talk about thankfulness, you know, we can talk about, you know, empowering people and uh, letting the leash go and just letting them know gratitudely, you know, how much we appreciate them. What do you do as far as showing that? Uh, I mean, I, it's often asked, I don't know if you've gotten this when you were in an interview. So, so what do you do to show people you know that you appreciate what they do and i try to let them know that it's not in the big things everybody thinks like oh you have to give them days off you know like days off and i, and I got to the point where it, i think that's always good but you know just saying hey let's i'm gonna buy pizza i'm gonna do the you know not because i have to or that i need to manipulate you but i truly find that um, they appreciate it and what i find is then when i try to do something they're like no we want to do it do you see that happening like when you were a leader i know you would do things and um did you see people then jumping in to want to help be a part of that as well and say hey we want to do something th to show thanks in the team well. yeah i i again i experienced that a lot i think my natural what i desire isn't uh uh birthday cake and everybody's singing to me I kind of hope they don't do that for me but but my staff would just pick up the ball because I would say to them in staff meetings look I don't think well like that at home my wife does that yeah. and I'm glad she does that and it makes our family so much better but I just don't think that way so I need you guys to help me how do we appreciate these student workers and good ideas and things like that and then they take it over and it's so much better than if I would clumsily try to figure out what they want to do. But what I saw was what I could do as their boss. So that gives you a certain level of gravitas or whatever mm -hmm. was to tell them either in a written or personally um, how they fit on our team. And so I, I'll give you a perfect example of a recent team I was on where there was one person on our staff who was just so caring for the student. And these kids are thousands of miles away. They're 18 or 19 years old. They miss their family, their friends, and their local food. And, you know, it's tough to make friends with American students because they're busy. They're just doing the college thing and inviting some kid from Myanmar doesn't come across their mind very often. So the internationals tend to make great relationships among themselves. And this person was so good at just almost being motherly or grandmotherly with the and making sure they're okay and going above and beyond. And I said, you know, you're just like the heart of our team. You're that warm, fuzzy, you make these kids know that this office cares about them and different things. And there was another person on the team that was just good. That person knew the law. They knew the, I mean, just technically precise, um, but not as warm and fuzzy. And the combination of those two people made us really, really good. And so I shared with the other person, I said, this person is kind of the heart of our team. 
but you're the best of our team. Because in every area, you know more than I do. You really do, um, and different things. And because it rung true in both cases, it meant a lot to them. And they, uh, even recently, someone said to me, one of those people said, uh, you know, when you said that to me, that really impacted me and my career development. And I recognized that these are my strengths and these are where I do well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's as a leader to be able to go beyond the, you know, again, I don't, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Mike's birthday and everybody goes to the lobby and sings him happy birthday and we share a piece of cake. All I think is like I got 8 million things to do and I'd yeah. rather be doing that. But for other people, if that's what they enjoy, then that's great. Um, so uh, I think it's just knowing your people mm-hmm. and a sincere uh, example of how they fit on the team and that, like I gave, uh, goes a long way, but it takes time. You can't just treat them as cogs in a wheel. Correct. You really need to understand who they are as people. Um, and if I may expound on that, the person that was the best of us and was just technically very good and, and professional and amazing and all that, at one point I had to bring that person to my office and say, I need you to just kind of soften the edges a little bit, okay? Yeah. Because not everybody's going to make the Olympic team. And so we, we have to just be a team. And so take off about 10 or 15% of that. Yeah. And, you know, between you and I, let's run as fast as we can. Yeah. But in the group, let's, uh, let's uh, and that person did that and things got even better because yeah. there was less uh, dragging along like a Sherpa up Mount Everest. You know? <laughs> I'm going to pull you along with me no matter what. You know. Yeah, you're to make this even if you don't want to. You're to make it up <laughs> yes. yourself. Yeah, I think you made uh, two uh, fantastic points. I think when you have a environment of thankfulness and gratitude, if as a leader, I think there's this assumption that we have to be the ones that uh, are doing all the planning and all all the fun. So, I mean, for some people, it's it's just a part of their nature. For others, we know the importance of it. But when you cultivate that environment then you have other team members that take over and go, well, we know Mike, he's not against it, but that's not in his forte. So we'll plan the birthday parties or we'll do this. And it's not a sense like, oh, the only way it get done is if we do it, they just look, they look at it as, no, this is how we contribute to what it means to be grateful for each other and to do, to do, you know, these little things. So I think that was um, absolutely fantastic uh, point. And then second, when you have this, thankfulness and gratitude of those that are on your team, you're able to pull people in. Like you said, the person who wanted everybody to be on the Olympics and go, um, Hey, I love what you're doing. And they hear that they don't hear it as a negative. They actually know, Hey, they are grateful for what I'm doing, but I know in order for us to be more efficient, I need to come down a little bit. And I think that is something that is a valuable skill set because if you have that and they know you're grateful and thankful for them, you're, they don't look at it as a negative. They're just like going, okay, I understand what he's saying. I need to get to that place so we all push forward as opposed to when it's always a non-thankful or you're just that clog. When you bring them in, then they're thinking, oh, great, just another thing wrong. I'm, I can't do anything mm-hmm. right. I need to yep. find something else because I guess I'm just, I just don't know how to do it as opposed to when you've uh, created this environment of uh, thankfulness and gratitude, it becomes a... a 
something that they buy into and know is for the betterment of themselves and for the team. So I thought those were two excellent points. So um, we kind of get to the end of this time, you know, um, I think it was a great conversation, Mike. I appreciate it. Um, I, again, I appreciate our friendship. I, I know we haven't talked for quite a while. I just thought that, but that's been this year though. I can't believe it's Thanksgiving, you know, <laughs> you know, now we're re um, connecting. Um, one of the fun things that I always like to ask, or um, I'm a reader. Um, so I want to know what, what are you reading? What, what's on your nightstand right now? Or are you one of those people that has like seven books and you, you're, you're reading like seven at a time? I, I am one of those people. I, I typically go through one or two on a regular clip and finish those. But some nights it's or days it just doesn't resonate with my mood. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like to go to the beach and bring my iPad and read there under the umbrella and uh, or listen to an audio book or when I'm driving or whatever. Um, but the right now, I think with the election, how contentious it's been, I've been reading a book called The Coddling of the American Mind. Mm. And it talks a lot about education in America. And I'm about a third of the way through it, maybe, maybe half. Yeah. Um, but it just, it gives a perspective uh, of what's changing in America and, and how we're the premise is that we've become coddled Mm -hmm. and you know i think it's part of the evolutionary uh as people are successful a long time they get kind of fat sassy and stop doing the things that made them successful and different things like that so it's an interesting read and it fits really well i think into the education sphere Mm -hmm. because we have so much influence over young people um the other one is uh uh book by a guy that used to be a Obama supporter, lifelong Democrat, worked in Washington, D.C., running charter schools. And his life mission was to help the underprivileged through charter schools and different things. And he wrote a book called Democrat to Deplorable, mm-hmm. uh, Hillary Clinton's famous uh, line of people not supporting the Democrats or supporting Trump were deplorable. Mm-hmm. And he proudly claims himself to be a deplorable. And it, it chronicles how his journey was from being a, a deep blue person into a Trump person, which is a interesting road. So those are the two that I'm reading a lot, especially with the recount going on and yeah. both sides just thinking the other side is nuts, you know, to, to, to try to think, well, how did they think that? I know what I think, mm-hmm. but I, I want to understand how people add up where they're deeply blue or deeply red. Uh, so I can better understand them. And I, I think that's a skill I've learned from uh, being in the international world is just everybody doesn't think like Americans. So exactly. You, you, exactly. Have to, you have to figure out, I'm not, I, I still think like an American, but I don't have, to, I need to develop that skill set that says, how do they get there? And uh, yeah. so it's, those are my two that I've done. And then I just reread classics that I love. Mm-hmm. So, so. Yeah, you're reading um, Dallas Willard, right? Um, yeah. Uh, Divine Conspiracy, right? So, so what yeah, you, yeah, that's what you had said. Yeah, um, that's couple, a that's couple a pages at a time, and yeah. I, and my that's, brain explodes and think, "What is that, he saying?" That's all. I have that's, to read it three times. Yeah, that's all you could do with with that one. Is like, okay, I've been convicted <laughs> enough, and I, you know, um, for those that listen to this podcast regularly, you know, um, I come from a faith based position um i'm anglican mike's 
um, comes also from a faith-based uh, uh, place. And I think when we look at thankfulness, we have a foundation of where that thankfulness does come from. And as leaders, that's important. It's not an empty thankfulness. It's actually a, a true um, a gratitude of what we know in our lives and how that is. And that I think helps me as a leader. If I didn't have that, I would just be, I, I would be horrific as a leader. Um, but when you come as um, a leader that is there in humility, um, I think thankfulness and uh, gratitude become a natural outflowing of that. And, you know, talking about the two books you're reading, I think that's what we need to come to, especially during this time is, can we be thankful for those that differ from us and how we think? Are we grateful for the contributions that they make to our society, whatever side you're on? And as a leader, I think that's really where we have to be. And that's where we have to grow to um, and uh, continue to move forward. So I am highly, um, I guess, um, the word I'm trying to think of the the word I want to use is um, ask you or, you know, want you to seriously think about what are you really thankful for? Are you thankful for all things? Are you thankful for those things that you really challenge you? That's what I wanted to think. Sorry. My brain, my brain was still uh, going through, but challenge. I'm not talking to you, Mike, but to everybody challenge all of us in this week of Thanksgiving to be truly thankful for where we're at, be thankful for what people are doing and be thankful that we don't all think that the same, you know, and that uh, if you can't then spend some time trying to understand other people that's part of my trust principle we need to understand each other so mike thank you um as always for uh, all that you do um especially with internationals i've gotten to have a love for them because of you because my wife was uh, was um in the team that you uh, led and just thank you thank you for um, well thank you for having me it's been enjoyable so, so until next time um there is always a seat at the idea table for you have a great week <laughs>